0: Greetings and welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. Welcome all you conversationalists, your thrill seekers, you intellectuals, and all across the fruited plain of the Alpha Quadrant. I am your host, the Doctor of Delithium, your anchor man to everything Star Trek, Jonathan Wiegand. Um, Yes, I don't know if you can already tell my voice that we skipped an episode last week. Um, I have a cold. I, I still am fighting this thing. So again, I apologize if my voice sounds a little bit different. I really can't tell, so I was like, let's just run with it. Yeah, because being away from the podcast for two weeks is just more than my heart could bear. So, again, apologize for any any weird audio from my voice that may be occurring. But I hope everybody had a great New Year's and hopefully took some time off between Christmas and the holidays. I mean, it's I feel like it's the one time of year that doing absolutely nothing for more than a week is... So widely accepted and celebrated, like you're almost like required to do those things. Like, if people show up in the office, they're like, What are you doing? Did you forget something? <laughs> like, why are you here? Um, yeah, and we had a great time. We, we visited some family in Atlanta, and boy, that was a, a lot of fun. And uh, a lot of kids got to play together. And I think that's actually what got me sick is that you know, I think there was about 14, 15 of us in there, so it was <laughs> uh, just a petri dish of germs. On well, today's news and brews, I have my beautiful uh, cold brew here today. Uh, we have a kind of a mix of episodes this week. First off, the Roddenberry and L. Ron Hubbard relationship. Also, I've caught finally caught up on Prodigy uh, Season 1, so I'll talk a little bit about that. And I, I I won't be milking it for 20 episodes, you know? I mean, I, I see some, and I, I kind of listen to other Star Trek podcasts and as a fan, and as also another podcaster, and I just don't understand how people can make 45 minute, an hour long episode on a kid's TV show that lasts 22 minutes. I just don't understand that. And I know milking the teat. I mean, I um, got a five on my AP English in high school. So that's one of my grand accomplishments. Um, Also talking a little bit about you know, section 31, and maybe a possible continuation of Picard. I mean, there's a lot of different cool news stories we're going to be talking about this week. And again, this is a relaxed fit. It's not going to be kind of what we're used to with a very structured, you know, kind of episode. Where we cover a topic or a race of in Star Trek, but uh, hey, that's just cool. Lower those lights, lean back that chair, because Luna, let's start the show. Like I mentioned before on the Christmas episode and just a couple minutes ago, yes, we're going to be talking about Gene Roddenberries and L. Ron Hubbard. And for the rest of the segment, I'm just going to call him LRH. This just easier. And I actually met with a good friend uh, over New Year's. And he's like, yes, please do that. So I um, just a little bit of a backstory. If you don't know who LRH is, it, <laughs> to me, it's kind of like you haven't watched any like cult documentaries over the past 20 or 30 years, um, and that's because LLH actually started the Church of Scientology, and before that, he was a sci-fi writer. I'm not making any of that up. I'm not going to get into the depths of Scientology, but there's a great episode on South Park. If you haven't seen it, it's it's just really good, um, but I actually did cover Kind of like the philosophy of Gene Roddenberry when he was starting to make the Next Generation and kind of what his hope for the future was way back on an episode behind the episode of TNG. So that's a great episode you haven't listened to that. And I kind of wrapping everything up here is that Gene Roddenberry wanted Star Trek to kind of be his personal take on the future. He argued and he threw out scripts, sometimes physically threw out scripts out the window, and he the main. Issue was he wanted no interpersonal conflict within the Enterprise crew. And the writers hated that because it's really hard to build stories and plots and character development when nothing ever happens and there's no conflict and nothing really changes them. Everything's just happy go lucky. And I wanted this to kind of be an entire episode, but of course, the the well is not very deep. It's very shallow, in fact. So I said all that to say this. So these two men of course, were friends. They, they definitely had a interesting take on the future, both of them. Interestingly enough, they both created their own kind of Navy, I guess, like Starfleet's like this military quasi thing and LRH and Scientology have this, this like Navy brigade. I don't know anything. (laughs) I'm just saying, it. but they did meet, they actually were friends. I, I think they had similar visions of the future, but honestly, that's about it. It doesn't, really go into anything if they were really deep friends, if they wanted to be like co-Scientology founders or anything crazy like that. I mean, I was even looking at articles articles from the 1970s um, that people written about plane rides they took with Gene Roddenberry to see like if they could get any nugget. I mean, and these, these two guys were friends and even Gene Roddenberry famously says, Um, He could start his own religion too if he wanted to. I don't know if you've ever been to a Star Trek convention, but that's kind of exactly what he did in his own way. But the only thing I could find without them being friends or any crossover between Scientology and Star Trek is that there is a rumor that Spock's brother, Cybok, was kind of a commentary on Scientology. But again, that's never been confirmed. And it just doesn't fit to me personally with everything that was really going on, especially Star Trek three. And I just feel like that's kind of a stretch, honestly. So yeah. So I just personally, I don't see that. It doesn't fit. It doesn't really make sense. Again, when he was making Star Trek, um, especially with Cyborg, it really wasn't, you know, Scientology wasn't this huge thing yet. So for him to have a commentary on it didn't really make sense to me. Um, he probably would have definitely done other things like, um, the Vietnam war, racism, women's rights, things of that nature. So I think that was his main priority. Not really, you know, Scientology, but I promised and I delivered. So sadly, there's not really a relationship. They did have similar visions of the future, but that's about it. That's about it. So moving on, um, uh, I'm going to kind and of give a spoiler-free version of Prodigy and what I thought about it. So the number one question is, did I enjoy it? And absolutely. I, it took me a while to get into probably like five or six episodes. And then I eventually got kind of invested and the story kind of got rolling a little bit. Um, but it took a good five, six, seven episodes for me to kind of get, okay, this is what I'm watching. You know, if I'm not a, a Star Trek podcast host? Would I watch it? Probably not. I would have just left it at those first episodes. I just wouldn't have done it, which I'm excited now because like, I actually did like how they wrapped it up. But would I do a rewatch of it? No. I think I think one time is good enough for me. Um, unless I you really love the show and you really want to get into it again, I really wouldn't do a rewatch. Kind of not like the golden age of Star Trek, you know, with DS9, Voyager, and TNG, it's like, oh, of course, I, I'll rewatch this all the time. It's like, you're not really going to do that with Prodigy. And the next big question is, is it really for kids? And a thousand percent yes. And that's a good thing to me because this is honestly, when I was watching it, I was like, this is probably the best way to do two things. You can introduce like young kids and teenagers into Star Trek through the show. And also new fans. Um, Star Trek can be kind of intimidating. I mean, it does have a vast encyclopedia of, like, canon and lore. And I get it. You know, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. Like a TNG episode, is it going to be the uh, the ghost-loving uh, episode? Or is it going to be, like, a, a conference episode on archaeological digs on the Enterprise where it's, like, a Marriott conference? You just, it's really hard to, to say. So I think this is the perfect way to people be like... Oh, that's a Tellarite. Oh, that's the Federation. And it's kind of an ease into it, like stepping your big toe into the pool, into track, which, again, I think is great, and it's not bad. Emotionally connection to the characters, yes. Um, by the end of it, I was emotionally invested. I think they did a great job over the 20 episodes kind of building out these characters, giving them great backstories, and also tugging at the heartstrings a little bit. I definitely enjoyed it, but like again, I said, would I rewatch it? Probably not. Will I watch the second season? Yeah, I think I will. Um, there's enough little Easter eggs in there too, like you see the Zindi, or you see this kind of species, or there's this name, and it's, I'm not again, I'm not going to do a lot of spoilers <laughs> or a lot of the Easter eggs, because I um, want you guys to enjoy it, but I would rate it probably a 6.5, 7 out of 10. Um, it's still a kids show, so there was kind of a a disconnect there because, and maybe it's just me because it doesn't bother me that much because I usually watch a lot of children's television anyway right now because of my son, so it doesn't it's kind of like whatever. But if you're like a single guy in his twenties, probably it's going to be a bigger deal, um, just to be real and to be honest. Um, but it's it's a kids show, you know. It's not going to be this intense thing, um, you know, like Discovery, which we will cover soon. And I think that's kind of the real story. And here is is why the show is successful and why it's kind of good for Star Trek. Because if you look at what we have now, we have a plethora of Star Trek, and mainly we have Discovery. Discovery has been kind of the hallmark show, and it's kind of this action show, you know? And most of the New Trek shows are simply action shows. And I mean... I I think it's funny, I, I saw a quote somewhere and it was like, war is just now inevitable in Star Trek as it is in our own world. And there goes Gene Roddenberry's peaceful vision of the future, or the past, depending what series you're watching. And, I mean, now don't get me wrong, we did have a great series in DS9 that covered war, and that is kind of the war Star Trek. But, I mean, only a handful of times in this, like, there would be these massive huge battles where that's the whole episode kind of like what we would see in discovery what i loved about ds9 is that it kind of brilliantly covered the hidden or like the forgotten parts of war like ptsd losing your principles just to get, get victory and those kind of like friendships that are in the trenches you know and seeing those build on the flip side compare that to discovery I mean Discovery's a very, very like violent show. And a lot of the main characters, I'll just say it, like regularly commit just acts of murder. You know, diplomacy is really not an option in most cases. And the USS Discovery, like Jack Bauer in 24, um, always rush to like solve a desperate, violent problem. I mean, I know when Discovery came out, they were like, oh, this is this ain't your granddaddy of Star Trek, this is a new Trek. And I think they were just responding to the popularity of, you know, action-packed Star Trek shows. And it just kind of was all about revenge and all these other shallow action movie tropes. And I just don't like it. You know, I just don't think that's what um, Star Trek is. I mean, even came into uh, Picard a little bit, you know, and you have kind of these homicidal characters. And I mean, the show even featured Icheb getting his eyeball forcibly severed I mean come on like this is Star Trek and again don't get me wrong I love having action and I love um you know great movies and when it's done well it's super fun and exhilarating and there's nothing wrong with you know the crew of the Enterprise or Deep Space Nine or Voyager or Discovery or even the Cerritos (laughs) getting into like a little firefight and a little skirmish I mean even in a completely peaceful future Star Trek is allowed to have some moments of missing misunderstanding and, you know, moments that would eventually lead to like a battle or a conflict. However, that is not the process and the future that we all hope for Star Trek. I heard a really great quote on vacation that somebody was said, um, she said, you know what, the world is so cruel and so cold. When I come home from my job, I don't want to have to constantly be reminded by that, by what I watch on TV. And I was like, wow, that's pretty deep. It's very deep. And that's kind of what I like about Star Trek. You know, like it's this hopeful vision of the future, you know, that we see in like, you know, in in a little bit lighthearted shows like Lower Decks or even in Prodigy or even in Strange New Worlds. I mean, Strange New Worlds is kind of low actiony, but it's kind of returning to the tropes of the original Trek. And I kind of like that, you know, like, Hey, let's, let's solve it through diplomacy. Let's solve it using our wits, not just through brute force. And again, that's why I think this makes Star Trek so successful. You know, like you have prodigy, you have lower decks, you have these shows, even strange new worlds. Um, it's not an action franchise. It's about character workplace drama and, and the problems that, you know, require thought and cleverness to escape. And I think a lot in in a lot of those series I just mentioned, there's none of these like unstoppable fighting machines. You know, these people make mistakes. They're driven by joys and passions and they grow as individuals. And of course, there's some like rapid fire, like, you know, fun episodes, especially with lower decks. But I think overall Trek has been better without it. I I think when people watch Star Trek, they want to have a show that's optimistic about the future and how we transcend. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I love some action. And I mean, if people want a sci-fi series that's always in war and always in rebellion, there is another star show that you could watch with that. And that's great too for that thing. But that's not what I want from Star Trek. You know, when I want to go to the grocery store to get milk, I want milk. I don't want iced tea. So that's my rant for like five minutes in my sick voice. I'm done. I'm done. Thank you for listening. And again, if you if you have comments, you feel strongly, you're like Jonathan, you're huffing paint, you've you've had too much mucinex, and not, and DayQuil, just, you don't know what you're talking about, please let me know. Or if you agree with me, I, I like to hear that too, so I'm, I don't feel like I'm alone. <laughs> anyway, so moving on. So finally talking about Section 31. And I'm bringing this up because on Tuesday night, Michelle Yu, is that right, Luna Yu? She won a Golden Globe for her role in everything, everywhere, and all at once. I still need to see that. It looks really good. So actually, there was a panel on a TCA event on Monday, this past Monday. Paramount Plus promoted a number of shows, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but they actually had the chief programming officer of Paramount Streaming was asked like, Hey, what's going on with section 31? And she's like, there's been quote unquote conversations about the series and she affirmed it's still in development. So section 31 is still happening, even though Michelle, Yu is super popular and giving all the awards and, um, accolades that she honestly deserves. She's a great actress. So, um, kudos to her. And I'm glad she's in the Trek franchise because we can use that (laughs) and hopefully they will in section 31. So wrapping up our last topic of the day is going into Picard. Like I said before, they had a TCA, or Television Critics Association, kind of press tour. And on Monday, Paramount Plus had their big presser, and they talked about the final season of Star Trek Picard. During the panel on the series, however, um, somebody asked her, like, so is this the end of Picard? And executive producer Alex Kurtzman said, who knows? (laughs) Um, who knows? So it could not be that they end the series. And even Patrick Stewart said if the show could maintain the the work quality of the first three seasons, he'd be open to reappearing again. Kurtzman also said he noted the storylines of the final season intentionally leave doors open. Oh boy. Also, I've heard a rumor that there's going to be a big surprise at the end of Picard and it's going to be between Beverly Crusher and John Luke Picard, and I'm like, oh god, it's a baby. (laughs) They're gonna, they're either gonna get married, maybe a baby. I don't know. But what, what's the big surprise between the two? You know, what can you say? I think this is kind of interesting because streaming services. I don't know if you knew this. Don't actually have to report the audience figures and and the viewership. So I think they realize that Paramount how big a juggernaut Picard is and now that it's kind of ending there are maybe Kurtzman and, and Sir Patrick Stewart again kind of the push in the back to be like hey you need to keep this money train rolling you know and I, and I think that's also dangerous because once you have like a set hey this is three years I mean three seasons it's always been three seasons that's been the long game this long arc I think when you decide to abruptly change that and then add at the end That could be bad. So I'm also open for like maybe a movie in the future. I think that'd be great as opposed to like maybe just continuing on to a poopy season four or season five, kind of like what we saw with Kenobi. Kenobi was designed to be a movie and then they turned it into a show and you could obviously tell that. So that's definitely what we don't want to see happen to Captain Picard or Admiral Picard now. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it's, a clean series end and doesn't get continued personally. So that that's just my two cents, but that's all we have for Nudes and Bruce today. So Luna, if you're ready to wrap it up, let's like this candle. Oh boy. That was a lot harder getting through than I imagined, but anything for my OPP audience um, I'll definitely be better next week so don't worry about that it's it's getting through I promise it's getting through but I didn't want to leave you hanging for another another week with any great OPP goodness and as always please check out jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com it's a great blog check it out he has I think I've already pushed it before or plugged it before on Christmas episode but he mentions avatar and oh boy I saw Avatar. Um, Be prepared. It's a very long movie, and um, you can go up and use the bathroom and come back. Don't worry about it. You're not going to miss anything. (laughs) It's just, it's kind of like that meme. Like, after about the first hour and a half, I was like, I've made a terrible mistake, because I still had, like, another hour 45 left, and I was like, oh, man. But it was still very cool to see, like, all the great cinematography and, and just kind of the special effects were really neat. Um, especially since I hadn't seen avatar before in theaters way back in like 2008 or nine or whatever. So, um, yeah, please check out Jason talks, com. And as always guys, um, please remember to rate, review and subscribe on the podcast. We're on all the social medias and that makes me sound like a boomer, but we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. So please check us out. And usually for Twitter, that's my most, up to date like i usually i'm on pretty pretty active on twitter so please hit me up on there and always remember guys second star of the right straight on till morning